Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, the difference between executive function and executive skills. And with us in our virtual studio is Dr. George McCloskey. We're going to get into the meat of the show here in a little bit, but real quickly, our program is really being brought to you tonight, both children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, in celebration of that event, we're going to, number one, we're going to share a tip that they, uh, they're offering up, but also uh, we'd like to give away a couple um, issues of the Attention Magazine, which is published by Chad. All you have to do in order to receive a digital copy is listen to our show. We're going to mention a keyword in our show a couple times, and uh, if you listen to another show and write down its keyword, all you have to do is email me the two keywords at attention at attentiontalkradio.com. We'll get it off to Chad, and they will send you the current issue of Attention Magazine in PDF form and the one that uh, would be published next. So like right now, April is out and the next one um, you would get is in June. Again, just listen to the show, write down the keywords and then send two of us, two of them in an email to me at attention at attentiontalkradio.com. We have valued our relationship with Chad over the years um, and we are so proud that they are continue to support our contact and bring our show for you tonight. We've got a little tip that we'll run and we'll get into the show. It's important to treat ADHD to help improve health and longevity. Research shows that treating ADHD, along with its related health risks, can add 9 to 13 years to the lifespan of children and adults diagnosed with the disorder. To learn more about ADHD and treatment options, visit Chad's website at healthforadhd.org. Thanks again, Chad, for your support. Everyone, this is uh, just, to, just to bring some context to that little um, snippet, uh, Dr. Russell Barkley released some research uh, in May of 2018 uh, that's suggesting the life expectancy of those with ADHD is somewhat less than the general population. And in the evaluation of 14 different markers, five of which you can't do a lot about, like intelligence and sex, um, among other things, the nine that were remaining are things that the uh, primary area people address, but the second tier level of self-regulation, and that's very much something that you can do something about. So just to bring some content, it's some very, it's just research that's just really getting out there right now. Uh, it's very, very telling, and we're really helpful that it's going to bring some attention to ADHD is not as a mental health disorder, but it's a public health disorder, and get some resources in order to make that happen. So um, that being said, we want to thank again, Chad, for supporting our show. For those that are not aware, they're the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. Uh, we encourage our listeners to support Chad as a member or just to donate because a strong Chad is a strong community. They're the ones that are advocating for us on, uh, on Capitol Hill and different regulatory agencies. And I say that because when laws are passed, regulatory agencies are the ones that write that stuff out, and often we need to have a voice in the definition of things to make sure that uh, uh, things are interpreted correctly. So, again, uh, thanks, Chad, everything you do. And, again, please support them. To learn more, go to chadd.org. Okay, so 
tonight's show, the genesis of it, I always like, I always have some funky stories sometimes to how, how things come about. For those that are aware, Kirsten Milligan used to be a co-host of Attention Talk Radio and has gone on to other things, but she's always keeping her eyes out, and she was at a, at a uh, presentation by uh, Dr. George McCloskey on um, executive functioning and executive skills, and she immediately called me up and said, ah, you've got to do an interview with this guy. And I said, that's just right in our wheelhouse, because, you know, we like to pay attention to attention, and we start talking about executive functioning skills. There's, there's a distinction between the two, and we're real excited about having Dr. McCluskey on our show. He's the professor and director of, of the School of Psychology Research in the School of Professional and Applied Psychology of the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine and holds Atlantic status for the American Academy of Psychiatric Neuropsychology. Excuse my dyslexic. I'm tripping over myself here a second. Uh, based on the research of 20 years and a working experience with children, adolescents, and adults exhibiting executive function disability, uh, Dr. McCluskey has developed a comprehensive model of executive function that can be used to assess executive function strength and difficulties and, and guide uh, intervention efforts. Um, he's a frequent speaker all over the place, internationally, nationally, and locally, and he's got several books that we're going to just mention and talk about when we, uh, when we get to break. You can learn more about him really by reading his books on Amazon.com. Again, uh, we will be talking about it a little bit more when we just go to break. So, but with that, Dr. McCloskey, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It's great to, uh, great to be here. Appreciate it. Um, we're, we're thrilled. So to begin, can you just – can we start with just – can you define – uh, in simple terms, as best you can, what is executive functioning and what is executive skills so we can start to understand the difference of those two? Sure. Um, I think you know, we've all heard the term executive function, and that's been used uh, quite, quite, uh, for quite some time now, and being associated with ADHD and ideas of, of difficulties with attention, inhibition, impulsivity, and, uh, and modulation, things of that nature. Um, and there's, there's the important distinction here, though, is that we think about uh, those things that we know are problematic, especially for individuals that may have ADHD, the ability to sustain and focus attention, the ability to inhibit. See, all these things are things the brain does. And, and the reality is that they're, they, they themselves are really not executive functions in, in a sense that um, think of uh, these as things that the brain does. So now we inhibit impulse responding. We focus attention. We sustain attention. These are things that neural networks within our brain are responsible for doing. Um, the, the thing that executive functions do uh, is that they are the aspects within the frontal lobe, uh, parts of neural networks within the frontal lobe that cue us to do these things. So the executive functions are the part of the frontal lobe that, that indicate to you when you should be doing these things. When should you be sustaining attention? When should you inhibit uh, when should you be flexible? So that idea then is that, that the, you, you have these capacities that, that can come online, and some people are weaker in those capacities, and we'll talk about that. But if you have these capacities, then you need to be able to look into the world and know when you should be using them. And so executive functions have always been associated with this lack of ability to know when to do things, and that's absolutely the fact. But there's another part of this that we, we seem not to be making a distinction about, which is that um, I'm aware of some individuals that are painfully aware of what they should be doing in a given time. The problem is they're not able to do it very well. And so what we see is that it's not enough to know when. You also need to know how. And executive skills are really the way we talk about uh, do you understand how to do these things that, we're, that the brain is, is asking you to do. You know, this is when you should do it. Okay, but do you know how? And so the how component is really think of it as another part within the neural network. Think of these um, – if you use a metaphor of managers, and there are multiple managers within the frontal lobe that are responsible for cueing you when to do different things. So those, those function managers do their job. 
uh, when should you pay attention? When should you be um, uh, inhibiting impulse and responding? Now, they'll, they'll look in the world and tell you that. But once that, that signal is received by the brain, then the next portion of the, of the neural network in the frontal lobe has to cue the rest of the brain to do what, what the executive function is asking you to do. And that neural network, that part of the neural network needs to know what parts of the brain to connect to. So think of the rest of the brain as the workers. And think is that of that function manager as the manager that uh, that tells you when, and then the when the, the skill manager, the how manager, then directly responds to that when manager and says, "No problem, uh, I know the parts of our brain that are responsible to make that happen, and I'll wake them up in order of operation and make sure that we we're able to do that." So the skill manager is the one that knows how to do it, and those skill managers have been trained over the years. We we learn how to do things and we get good at them. But if we don't know how to do them, see, so we can learn how to do them. So very often, strategies, cognitive strategies can be taught that enable individuals to begin to understand more, uh, more about how to effectively do what they need to do. Once you know how, now the question becomes, do you know when? And so then interventions for executive function difficulties are helping individuals get better at looking into the environment and picking up on the cues they need to pick up on so they tell themselves when. But then that, that wow. signals the how, and of course, if the how's in place, you can do it. Wow. I, wow. Everybody, Kirsten referred him to me, but we never had a conversation about this beforehand uh, just because I just knew this was going to work out great. So, uh, Dr. McCluskey, what I'm hearing is this, the, the, the executive function side is the when, and then the skills is the how. And uh, both actually have to be addressed. I know I, in, our, in our vernacular, we talk about those with ADHD, how to pause, like how to catch yourself and to know when, like the ability to witness mm-hmm. yourself and know, pause and think, oh, now, now when you pause, you're put in choice. And as I, as I said before, it's like the, you have the automatic brain and the executive functioning brain and the executive functioning brain kind of kicking in and override the automatic. Okay, now it's time for the pause, but it's not just enough to pause. You actually have to be able to then say, okay, I'm going to go to this route. Now, how do I actually execute this? And I know from a coaching perspective, I actually coach those really independently. The first step is to pause. Once we get that, then we got to talk about the execution side. And it's, it's been said those with ADHD know what to do, but they have difficulty doing what they know to do. That's the outcome, but still actually cognitively knowing how to do it. Is that, is that accurate, or do you want to rephrase yeah, that anyway? Yeah, well, I, I think you're on top of it there, Jeff, and I, I think that's, a, it's, that's a, this distinction that's so important. It's just not enough to know to know when. Uh, the pause is good because then that, that enables you to start picking up and, and cueing yourself on what the environment is, what information is the environment giving you, what is it that you should be trying to activate within your brain. But it's not enough. You really need to know how. And uh, for many individuals, the, these are things that um, they may not have learned how to do. It's very appreciated in society. We're not really taught any of this. The things that we talk about here with self-regulation especially are things that just become demanded of us. Attention is demanded from preschool. If you, don't, if you can't give the teacher attention, it gets noticed. Um, and you have difficulties with that, then and they remain, they're going to be there until in some way they're dealt with. Uh, then there are other executive capacities that we keep layering in when you, get to, when you get to middle school, when you get to high school, when you get on to the world of work. There's just additional executive capacities that society expects you to know how, know not just when to use, but how to use. And, and unfortunately, wow. these are not things we're taught <laughs> at all. Uh, coach like yourself, you've got to get in there and teach people how to do it. 
Absolutely. You know, it's funny because it's just so resonating with me. Um, it's 2019, everybody. Back in 2014, I interviewed um, Autumn Zatani. Autumn is the head of all the curriculum at Sesame Street, which includes the TV show, the apps, the YouTube channel, and the website. And in season 43, they dedicated it to self-regulation. The whole campaign was uh, Me Want Cookie, Me Wait, kind of around the uh, cookie monster. And the whole thing mm-hmm. was to teach executive functioning <laughs> skills to preschoolers. And, you know, Dr. McCloskey was fascinating because they used the, the Muppets, particularly on the emotional self-regulation side, to help them model and help, help preschoolers be able to name emotions. And then they were trying to teach them, well, how do they notice it? And what, you feel it in your body. And so that was the idea of, of when. When do you feel that in your body? Now you bring your brain in and you belly breathe and you count one through three in order to downregulate your emotions and you begin to brainstorm and think. And it was fascinating because, you know, I, I'm sure you've seen the marshmallow test. I think it was originally started uh, at Cal Berkeley where they put the marshmallows in the have the kids kind of try to self-regulate and not eat the marshmallow, and they actually did a test on uh, the kids that went through, the kids that watched Sesame Street, and these aren't ADD, they're just people, and they were definitely able to self-regulate a lot longer, and they were talking about how self-regulation is really the cornerstone to learning, and that's why Sesame Street took it upon itself to do that, and it was revolutionary at the time because nobody teaches it, but it's really kind of obvious when you think about it, and so I really like it's it's really kind of understanding the, the, the when that's not taught, but it is kind of assume that it happens and it's not so easy. Yeah. And, and the how as well. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, that, those, that modeling and shaping that they did on Sesame street was so important for so many individuals to be able to, uh, grasp what it is that you do. How do you do this? <laughs> um, and demystifying it, right? So this, these are things happen in your brain, but if you're consciously aware of them, uh, you can take yep. conscious control. You can, you can know what you're experiencing emotionally and you can choose to change that. And understand why it would be good to feel differently, and their their ability Absolutely. to you know model that the way they did was was terrific. Absolutely. Tell you what, we need to go to to break before we do. Real quick, can you tell us the best way to find your books is on Amazon.com? But can you just describe some of the the books and stuff that you have, the materials that that I can find by searching Amazon for you? Oh sure, I've got the, I've got two books written at this point um, on executive functions. The first one uh, back in 2009, just kind of introduce many of the concepts we're talking about today. Um, and it's a pretty good overview of executive functions and how they're dealt with in school situations. The second one is a bit more of a, of a technical um, assessment uh, work for uh, executive functions. It's really geared or targeted toward professionals that do uh, direct one-to-one assessment, mostly psychologists, neuropsychologists, um, you know, who are working with individuals in that kind of an assessment setting. So they're a bit more specialized. My wife and I are now working on a book uh, for individuals um, who are struggling with, with executive difficulties, uh, more of a self-help book, but also one a manual uh, that teachers can use and parents as well to help individuals that have these difficulties. So we're, we're focusing on the future here for some of the things we're writing. Um, I've been talking about it for long enough. It's, it's time to get some more books written. <laughs> Touche. And they can they just go to Amazon and search uh, George McCluskey, which is spelled M-C-C-L-O-S-K-E-Y. The books will come up, and they can just purchase off the website, right? You got it. Excellent. Everyone, our secret word tonight is executive functioning. We're just going to say just EF is all you need to put, so just EF is our secret word, and we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Do they act out in school? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. 
Learn how you can be her greatest ally. Get your parenting questions answered live the first Monday of every month in a Facebook chat with former Attention Talk radio host Caroline McGuire. She's the author of the upcoming book, Why Will No One Play With Me? Go to www.carolinemaguireauthor.com to learn more. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. George McCloskey having a great conversation on the distinction between executive functioning and executive skills. And uh, right before the end of the break, we're sponsoring a moment to, to learn how to pause, that, that ability to kind of pause and say, is now, is, is when now, to gain that awareness. And so once you, once you pause, you can actually change what you're paying attention to and kind of like, okay, how am I going to go do this? And so Dr. McCausey, I want to kind of touch base in a coaching perspective. I know sometimes on the emotional self-regulation side, getting people to catch themselves and know that they're emotional is the most difficult thing to coach. It's not ubiquitous, but we do a lot of trying to help clients actually notice their bodies. I kind of described earlier with um, uh, what Sesame Street was doing, but also from an attention exercise for them to actually kind of pause sometimes and notice when they're having some difficulty with something. And the idea is, to get them to kind of like stop and go, hmm, I'm having some difficulty here, or I'm kind of lost in time to switch, to make that transition to say, now what do we do? Um, the emotional side, again, we talked about, but actually catching yourself uh, when you're in everyday work uh, from an attention perspective, sometimes that can be challenged because people just get lost. You just want to speak to that for a minute? Um, well, yeah, I, I think um, the <laughs> some of the difficulties that um, – uh, that individual may have in that area is it's just if you get caught up in the moment and you um, you know just proceed in your thinking and your your um, feeling things at, at any given time and you're tuning into the you know into what you're um, what you think you're supposed to be doing or the way you're supposed to be doing it but there's there are uh, some clear signposts that possibly are being missed and so that ability to receive feedback from the environment to know whether it is that you're on target with things is something that I think sometimes is maybe missing in, in, in situations. Um, and then also ways to get the feedback. But, but if you're looking for it, see, the important part is to realize um, anything that we do, we need to get some feedback about it to know how accurate our, or how effective it is. And if, we're not, if we haven't developed our own ways of, of looking to the world and receiving feedback about that, then we may just you know, go, keep going on with what we're doing and not really reflect on that. 
not take the time to stop, pause, as you said, and reflect on the situation uh-huh. and think about the things that we should be focusing on and then and try to receive the feedback from that. And sometimes it's just stopping a minute and just saying, um, you know, is that on the mark? You know, are, are you still with me? Do you think that's, do you think that's the best thing? Uh, just the idea of, of recruiting some information from other individuals to enable you to get some feedback from the environment to let you know whether you're on target or not. And, and when, you, when you pause and, and do that, see, now, now you give yourself a little bit of time to stop and then accept that feedback and think about it and then possibly, you know, think about what the next best steps would be. It's, it's funny because uh, one of the things that I, in breaking this down, I know I routinely try to help people begin to pause and recognize what they're looking for for that feedback, if you will. And number one, help them understand what it looks like. And then number two is help them practice looking for it. And uh, this is a very small, subtle type thing, but I think it will easy when we transition into the how part. Because of working memory challenges or nonverbal working memory, I understand many people with ADHD, they have a tendency to talk a fair amount. And what I've learned is often they're not talking, they're actually talking out loud. And, um, I mean, there's people that I, I've coached before where if you ask them a question, they've got to tell a story in order for them to remember what's going on. And and to mirror back to them and say, you know, do you realize that maybe you're talking out loud, you're brainstorming, you're bouncing your logic off of somebody and helping them recognize it so that when it's happening, they actually kind of catch themselves and kind of stop for a second and say, hey, can I talk out loud for a second? Can I bounce my logic, which goes to a little bit of the how part we'll talk in a minute. And the other time is sometimes just practicing, expecting those situations where they're going to walk in and knowing what a cue will look like and or practicing looking for it before they get there, especially when it comes to emotional self-regulation. Um, so from, from my perspective, I help them identify what to look for, and number two, help them go in and practice looking for those. Now, that's what I do uh, a lot of times when I'm coaching people. Do you want to speak to that or any other strategies you'd like to offer? Yeah, I think, I think that's, a, um, that's a good approach that you're, that you're talking about there, um, and especially you know, making that distinction about are you um, – when you are talking, what's what's the point of what you're saying and, and why you're saying it, um, yep. and uh, you know what is it that you're trying to get across? And as you said, sometimes you're reflecting to try to just think things through. And if you're if you're not able to do that quickly enough in your own mind, or not very effective at doing it in your own mind, uh, sometimes it's better to, as you say, they, you find individuals who are simply just saying it out loud. They're really just thinking. Okay. Um, then, then the issue becomes, uh, as you mentioned, you know, what uh, let people know this. I'm just just talking this through. Um, maybe you can even help me out here about what I'm thinking about. So I do think that that's a that's a good approach that you're talking about there. Um, a little bit more on the working memory issues. I'm curious. You know, you mentioned that that individuals with ADHD have working memory problems, and you see that as something that that gets in the way uh, of them. Now, would you feel that's in the way of following the conversation or discussions? And you mentioned that they well, have to have so stories that are told. So it's actually funny because I was there's the exercise I wanted to describe that I've done before that was, was working memory based. It goes along with them recognizing. So one of the things that I do a lot of times when somebody will come to me, I will sit there and say, "Listen, I want to I want to do an attention exercise." And I call it an exercise because I want to put them in experience and I want to explain the process and then I want to label it. So I'll say, "I'm going to repeat five words in a second. Please don't write them down, and please don't repeat them to me. But when you're ready, rip alphabetical order. And I'll go like teacher, hippopotamus, zebra, bumblebee, kangaroo, and I'll wait for them. And about half the time, people with ADHD will get the order wrong or they'll forget a word. Then I go through and explain to them like you realize it was relatively simple, and then we kind of go through how they had to hold it in their mind and had to pay attention to it in order to recite it. 
And I don't really care if they got it right or wrong, but we go through that process and I say, that's working memory. And so you see how hard that was. So imagine that you're walking around uh, and, and all of a sudden you remember, I need to go in the other room and get a can of beans, or you're in a conversation and somebody says something that you're excited about. You go back and now that you can see that you had five words in your head and you couldn't remember all five of them, maybe you forgot one, you got the order wrong, is when you get that new idea that comes to mind, now you can begin to recognize that you've got a working memory challenge and you've got to pause in that moment and do something with it because if you don't write it down, then you're going to forget it or realize that you might blurt it out impulsively because you want to act on it. Again, I put them in that experience so they can begin to see what working memory looks like so that they're in the moment and being asked of something or whatever, they can kind of catch themselves cognitively and say, oh, there's the pause, my working memories tax. Now, we got to get to the how and what they do, but they catch themselves for a second to recognize it, to create that pause, to give us the opportunity to talk about what to do next. And um, in the working memory thing that I described in terms of talking out loud, the notion of, oh, I'm talking out loud, either ask permission for it, or again, maybe I need to write this down, or maybe I need to do whatever. Um, I'm sharing that with you because I've, I've had a lot of fun with that particular exercise where people actually get it. So thoughts on that? Does that make some sense to you? Or Oh, no, I, I think that's um, I think it's a good example of a situation where you're actually helping individuals uh, first understand what it is. You never get things, certain things done. Uh, the how of it has to come through in a way that makes them understand uh, what it is they're, they're doing with their brain and what they're supposed to be doing with their brain. So when you use exercises like that, uh, you are you're basically demonstrating what it is working memory is, and how you can begin to take control of it, how you can effectively use it. And again, that's that's so that's so critical that how piece that you're talking about there, and recognition of what it is. And in in younger ages, you mentioned Sesame Street. There's a curriculum called Tools of the Mind that really focuses on uh, preschool, kindergarten age students, four, five, six years old. Um, mostly the curriculum is mostly game game based. So it's very engaging um, from a motivational perspective. And basically it gets individuals just to be to start doing things that enable them to self-regulate. So as you search some of these things, it's not even that you explain how to do them. It's that you get the individual to do them. And as you do them, so you're strengthening the skill, the how. The more you do it, the more effective you are. Now you know how to do it. So very often some of these very basic capacities for self-regulation it's not so much that they're taught necessarily strategies, it's that they're practiced, they're habits of mind. And the more you do it, the better at it you get. So when you break down working memory and explain it to individuals the way you mentioned and talk with them about that, begin to understand what it, working memory is and how you yep. use it, and then now let's use it, and you practice that. The more you practice, and again, one of the best ways here in developing the how, if you're not going to use a cognitive strategy, is practice and rehearsal with feedback about the accuracy of your of your performance, and so yes. you're you're engaging in that process right there with them. Yep, yep, absolutely. Tell you what, we need to go to break again. Uh, everybody out there, uh, learn more about um, Dr. McCloskey by just Google his name. I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff out there, but more specifically, go to Amazon.com and and search. Uh, it's George McCloskey, M-C-C-L-O-S-K-E-Y for his books. Check those out. Um, tonight, our secret word is EF. Our secret word is EF stands for executive functioning. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. 
other places give you a few tips, the ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit EdgeFoundation.org to learn more how an Edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone. We're having a great conversation with George McCloskey, and I know I'm learning a ton today. Understand the difference between executive functioning and executive skills, the when and the how. Uh, before the break, Dr. McCloskey, you were talking about you know practicing and habits, and what you don't know about me is I went to college on a swimming scholarship and swam for 11 years competitively, NCAs, Olympic trials, all that type of stuff. And when you were talking before about the habits, um, you know we talked. In, in, in athletics, you practice things over and over and over and over, and we get what we call muscle memory, where you just do it so many times, kind of the automatic brain takes over, and you don't even think about it anymore. And with what you're describing, it's the same concept. It's actually using these exercises to build in those habits, habits, if you will, so your your mind automatically goes there to kind of build that strength as kind of a skill. Is that an accurate assessment, or is any adjustment to that? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's literally pretty that's, that's, that's a great example, and it, it really is. And uh, now when you think about it, the things that you were doing uh, to train and, and uh, practice and become really good, I think of that as, as training the workers. So here you've got, you've got these capacities yep. in your brain that you get really good with, and you practice them, and they do what they're supposed to do. I think of uh, what we do with self-regulation as training the supervisors, not just the workers, but the supervisors. So now the supervisors need to get competent and good at basically running the workers. And self-regulation is about that capacity to know what workers to call on and when to, when to call on them and how to call on them. So we're really we're, – and, and just as you said, with, um, with practicing and, get, and making the workers very strong and capable and competent to do what, they, what they're able to do uh, through practice, the same thing can happen with executive skills, whether it's planning or attention or inhibition, whatever, whatever self-regulation difficulty you may have. Uh, the more you challenge yourself in situations where you know that ability needs to be used, the more you do it, uh, the more effective you're going to get at it. And, and very often with young children, we, we practice and rehearse with simple things like Simon Says for inhibition. The more you play Simon yep. Says, the more you have the neural capacity to regulate those workers to inhibit impulsive responding. Uh, and the great part about, about uh, that kind of practice and rehearsal is that essentially it can become automatic. You know, we're looking for automaticity. Yep. And, and self-regulation, it can be broken down into skills and functions, the idea that the skills, the how, if you get so good at this, you can get to the point where basically the supervisory system in the brain doesn't have to worry about that anymore. These workers are so well-trained, 
and the supervisor knows how, how to manage them so well that those executive skills just happen. What can never be what can never be automated is the executive function, which is that capacity for knowing when, because the environment always changes. It's it's always about queuing into the external environment and seeing what's out there, and you can never automate that. So that capacity, executive function, can never be automated. But skills, you can get really good at them. And, and the more you have them there at your disposal, see now you've reduced the, the need to not to work not just on the how but also the when. Now you just need to work on the when. Now, and I do know a number of individuals with ADHD that are really good with the how. It's the when that just yep. always trips them up. Yeah, and I'm, this is this is <laughs> going back to my now. I've said this for a long time, and I want to lay this on you. And I'm, everybody, I'm going to catch him off guard. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong on the show before, right? And that is is how do you execute <laughs> the win? Um, I, I've learned over the years that uh, it was funny. I, I interviewed Brett Thornhill years ago, and he talked about meds, meditation, mm-hmm. exercise, diet, and sleep. Those four things are the non-med meds, and there's no question with experts they're, they have. They're really good for those with ADHD, but what they all have in common is they're repetitive and boring, which makes it really difficult for people to self-regulation. So the very <laughs> things that are non-medicated that helps you need self-regulation in order to implement it. And so that being said, I feel like I can speak from authority because I do a lot of I do a lot of presentations on ADHD and exercise. And being somebody who swam for the same guy who coached Mark Spitz and swimming for four hours a day for 11 years, I could easily say I was motivated to do that. But as we speak right now as we stand I still swim but I only do it with my workout partners rarely do I ever do it myself because it takes too much willpower to do that and I see that because if you're going to do something that's repetitive and boring like an exercise what I find is it's always in an environment where there's some other stimulation the exercise becomes secondary so it's either with somebody watching a podcast watching tv reading books something (laughs) of that nature and I'm bringing it back to when kids are in preschool or they're watching Sesame Street it's a crowd function there's a socialization that enables them to easier self-regulate around the, 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 the practicing of the when. Um, but if you're by yourself, it's difficult. And I, for years I've wanted to say I need to do a Zumba class on meditation for people with ADHD because I think they would do it if there was like a class you could go to. <laughs> but that notion of how do yeah. you practice the when to me is environmental if you get people around you and stuff like that, and it's, it becomes more fun. At least that's my theory. I'm going to speak to that a little bit because, again, exercise is a repetitive, boring thing. That's difficult for those with ADHD. But if you work on that environment and you talk about preschoolers, it's there. They're practicing the Simon Says thing. It really kind of helps. So thoughts? Oh, sure. Well, and you and uh, <laughs> I think you're on the mark there, certainly. There's, um, there are some aspects, and you, you, can, you can use some self-administered rewarding and, and things of that nature to try to get yourself to practice more effectively uh, and to stay on it. But as you say, it's really, it really can be very, very difficult. And the social component. Is, is critical. There, there's no doubt that the when is in the world uh, around others, and so the more the more you are able to, um, and it's in fact so much so that I I no longer really practice uh, the things that I do in an office. I tend to go to the environment where the individual is either working or at school or what, or at home, whatever the case may be. I'm an old country doctor. I I do house calls, and uh, you know you you work at Starbucks. I'll come and sit and and watch you. Uh, do your work. I'll have a cup of coffee and I'll wait an hour and, and watch what you do. And now we can talk about the when. We can talk about what I saw here in the environment and uh, and how better to help you understand how to pick up on those cues. But it is all social and it is all out there. And the more you can engage other individuals uh, to assist you in that in that when moment, 
uh, or have it be in a social nature, I think it's a lot more effective for a lot of individuals, unless they have some social anxieties. You know, then you got to over, kind of yep. overcome that too uh, to get to get past that. But you know, it, these are challenges that they're they're often faced by individuals um, with ADHD, no doubt about it. So, just need to start pulling this together. Close. What I what I love about today it really helped me understand that distinction between social, I mean, executive functioning skills and the the ability to pause. You know, when that you should catch those cues and then what to do on on the other side, how to execute that's really really big deal. And I liked how you describe it because naturally I work with people on both sides. First is the pause, and then we kind of work on how to do it. And we know the more you the more you do this, the more you practice, the better you build the skills and make that happen. And it's facilitated socially and other in other ways in order to make this thing happen. So I, I really like I really, really like the topic today because I think you did a great job to define it in terms that we can understand. And we've actually laid out a blueprint that in order to do this, this is a process. This is not a strategy where you implement and just do it once and it's all over with. This is something that you do over a period of time in order to build that skill in order to do this in order to move forward. And we do know this with ADHD is if you get the right diagnosis and the right treatment, you can actually live a fulfilling life. And I think that today you really did a great job outlining a blueprint. These are the types of things that you need to be, to be successful with this. With that said, any other final tidbits, comments, or whatever before we wrap this up? Um, you know, I, I think it's a really important for individuals. This can be very frustrating, as you know, and can be difficult. And some people say to me, you know, is this, am I going to be like this forever? My perspective on this is not forever, just longer than you'd like. Things just always take longer than you'd like. But if, with time, energy, and effort, you know, there's nothing that you can't change. And uh, but you need you need a blueprint for doing that. You need to know uh, you need to have some guidance. You know, you need to know the how you need to know the when and you need to get feedback from individuals who are who are able to work with you to enable you to strengthen your capacity to do what you need to do when you need to do it and to keep at it. And there's no doubt in my mind that change is possible. I've seen it in a lot of individuals, but I know it can be very discouraging at times for some individuals. They just think this is just a problem I'm going to have for all my life and I'm not going to get better. But it's, it's a, and it's an up and down thing. Sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. But gradually over time, we're looking for more on than off. <laughs> in, in my athletic days, I always had the goals that I wanted to make time-wise, and it always took me a lot longer to get them than what I really want. I thought I should be able to snap my finger with a month of training to be able to do it. But I got there all the same. Yeah. So really good sage advice. So, uh, uh uh, everyone, to learn more about Dr. McCloskey, go search for his books on Amazon. Again, last name is spelled M-C-C-L-O-S-K-E-Y. And with that, Dr. McCloskey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, you're welcome, Jeff. It is a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on. All right. We, uh, we're thrilled to have this type of content. We hope you learned a lot. A reminder, our, uh, our secret word tonight is EF for executive functioning. We hope you've enjoyed the show and learned something. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.